are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper of chriscooper.co.uk and I'm delighted to be back with you again for yet another week with my guest today, Rob Holcroft, and we're going to talk about empowerment. Um, before we chat with Rob, I'd like to say a big thank you to Jack Canfield and to Amanda Brown, whose show was uh, played last week. I'd pre-recorded that one uh, two or three weeks ago, um, but I just loved that show. I loved um, talking with, uh, with Jack and Amanda and about the success principles uh, I was reminded, you know, the, the importance of uh, how we react to events and how we react determines the outcome. And I also love the concept of the power of five, of, of uh, doing five activities every day that take you towards your goal. Um, also, um, as last week's show was pre-recorded, the one before, I've not said to thank you to Paul Charity. And I thought Paul gave us some fantastic ideas about mastering your market uh, somebody I've certainly been very impressed with what he's done in his marketplace, and he provides some brilliant tips on newsletters and how to create them, how to to write them, and therefore I'd really recommend that one. Uh, if you want to master your market, do listen to that one. So to my guest today, uh, Rob Holcroft. Now, Rob was introduced to me by a mutual friend, Roger Masterson of Celtic Castles, who was recently on the show, and he was telling me about this fabulous friend of his, and the story went something like this, that uh, Roger purchased a book called I Can't, uh, which became a firm favourite of his daughter, Megan, and they'd actually read the book every morning for a couple of years. And his other daughter, Sally, also was inspired by it and talked about it at school and won a speaking competition at the school. Uh, Roger then decided to connect with Rob and just say, you know, what an impact that book had had on him and on his family. And eventually it led to uh, an amazing situation where uh, Rob came up to Rogers and went, went into Megan's school and they did a, a talk. And um, Roger therefore said, you must get Rob onto the show. And I'm delighted actually that Rob's here with me now. Um, I'd just like to say a, thank, a, a hi to both, uh, to, or to Roger, to Sally, Megan and their mum, Julie, um, and where Rob and I have both been talking about you today. So delighted to have Rob with me. And we're going to talk about his favourite topic, which is empowerment. Uh, Rob is uh, somebody who is a leadership development coach. He's an author. He's a qualified teacher. He's got an MA in education in professional learning, specializes in mentoring and coaching. He has six books under his belt, including the acclaimed story of I Can't and another on his way. He's a really inspirational facilitator who uniquely combines his diverse skills to deliver engaging and enjoyable coaching sessions and workshops, exploring new science of leadership, as well as developing emotional intelligence, communication skills, resilience, confidence, and self-esteem for groups and individuals. So I also want to share a few really interesting uh, facts about Rob as well. Rob has an award named after him in Sri Lanka. He's worked on a show in Hollywood. He's a trained falconer. He's an advanced stage fighter, and believe it or not, his 17th great-grandfather was King Henry VII. So let's uh, say hi to Rob. <laughs> wow. Hi, Chris. Um, that sounded amazing. I want to meet me. <laughs> that sounds so cool. <laughs> Excellent. Well, it's a pleasure to have you here and to, to chat with you. And you are the first, um, I think, as far as I know, the first um, 
uh, relation to King Henry VII that we've had, certainly had on the show. Um, but I know there's other distinguished people in your family. So I'm wondering if I should call you Sir Rob. Is that the address that you prefer? I'm sure the current Queen might have a problem with uh, <laughs> you referring to me as Sir, seeing as I haven't been officially knighted as of yet. <laughs> as of yet. There's, yes. there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> yes, uh, yes, my 17th great grandfather uh, was King Henry VII. And actually, driving to your studio today, of course. Um, we're not very far from uh, Bosworth Field, the Battle of yes. Bosworth, where where my seventeenth great grandfather stole the crown off uh, Richard the Third after it was laying laying uh, abandoned in the fields during the battle. Um, and of course, we've got the celebrations for Richard the Third. Is it this coming weekend? It's this weekend, well? yeah. And it's yes. just literally there's some of that is happening only only two miles away from it where we I drove through it. In fact, my eldest son's holding a banner, believe it or not. Oh, blessing, <laughs> blessing. So yes, it's. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an unusual thing that um, it stems from my father's side of the family. So um, only, in fact, going back, you talk about being a sir, only about four or five generations ago we had um, Lord and Lady uh, in our family. Um, and then I got lost on a marriage somewhere. So, so we, we've gone back to being a bit more normal now. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yes, my lineage comes from Henry VIII's sister, Mary Tudor. That's where I came off. So he would have been my 16th great uncle. Um, but uh, yeah, it's something to talk about, and uh, yeah. it's it's a nice conversation at dinner. Uh, just so we, we also have very, Lady Jane Grey. You're related to was the shortest serving king as well, wasn't uh, she? Queen, queen, sorry, yes, king, queen, yes, nine day queen. <laughs> she was known as because yeah, she was put on the throne for nine days. It was all a bit political that one. And then uh, I think she was executed. She was. She, yes. was uh, she was beheaded. And she only she actually was brought up only three or four miles from here as well. Yes. At, uh, so I've sort of come, Park, come back yeah. to my roots today. You have. Clearly. Yeah, well, welcome home. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so I've also got to ask you, how did you come to have a name, of an award uh, named after you? Um, that was um, uh, an incredible visit I had out to Sri Lanka. Uh, my partner at the time was an examiner for Guildhall School of Music. And... Uh, and I jumped on that bandwagon and went out for a uh, a much cheaper trip to Sri Lanka, staying at people's houses. And uh, the lady who was organising all the examinations out there was in the process of setting up the first ever international arts festival in Sri Lanka. And they were looking for donations. And so, and at the time I was working as an actor, um, specialising in voice and speech as well as a teacher and a coach and uh, so I, I um, had a trophy made and uh, as you do I named it after myself <laughs> <laughs> and so, so the International Sri Lankan Arts Festival um, which happens every year uh, has the Rob Holcroft Award for Speech and Drama. Wow. So, yeah, there you go. Amazing. <laughs> well, I hope to be able to ask you a bit more about your acting a little bit later, but we should talk about empowerment. Sure. And uh, I wonder, you know, from your earlier years, how did that lead to this interest in, in empowerment? Um, do you know, um, I was incredibly fortunate in the fact that um, I was different as a child. I had lots of different interests to regular people. Um, some of these I'm sure we'll talk about uh, as we go through this, this interview. Um, but I also had amazingly supportive parents who never once questioned what I did. Uh, they always um, threw themselves into whatever my interests were at the time and, um, and I suppose celebrated the fact that I was different. Um, and in that 
essence, I suppose that gave me a lot of power because it was um, it was someone saying it was okay to um, save save um, people wondering. It wasn't that weird the thing <laughs> I was doing. I'm just starting to think. I wonder what yeah. people are thinking. All um, sorts, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sort of started things like uh, I used to look after sick and injured animals. I lived in the country mm. and um, I had a huge affinity for, for animals. And I think it's sort of why I ended up being a coach because it was the start of my caring profession. Yes. Um, and people knew that I liked looking after animals. I had a, te- a, a, a gift at um, making them better, healing, things like that. Um, and uh, so people used to bring me sick and injured animals. And each time another one arrived, my dad built a new cage or an aviary or uh, we looked after them in the garden or in the house. Uh, I mean, the very first one uh, I raised in the house was a little greenfinch. Um, it's quite a tragic tale, that one, so I won't go into that one. Um <laughs> And uh, and so in the end, we had this incredible menagerie uh, of animals. My poor mum, who had a huge phobia of birds, and yet we had crows, uh, buzzards, uh, tawny owls, parakeets, budgies, <laughs> quail, um, all things that people had found injured and we ended up uh, making better. And a lot of them would release back into the wild. Uh, then I moved on from that, I went into lepidoptery. Now, lepidoptery is the study of butterflies and moths. Oh, right. So my bedroom was full of caterpillars from all over the world. We used to go to these trade fairs and um, and buy chrysalis and mm. caterpillar eggs, and then I'd raise them in my room. And so, my, again, my dad, he was very practical, thankfully. He used to make me all these cages, and I'd have butterflies in my room, and I'd have... Uh, tell you what, caterpillars next to your bed are the noisiest thing you could possibly have next to your bed. <laughs> they make so much noise when they're eating. Um and then I went into stone polishing and jewellery making. And, and every time I did something, my parents just jumped on it and, and went with me and learned with me. And I think they showed me that anything's possible. Mm. Um, and sometimes you just need someone to say it's okay to do that. Mm. Um, and also, I think for me, it developed a massive um, love of learning. Um, and I, I through my life now, I mean, I... I sometimes shock myself at, at the number of ridiculous qualifications I have. But my, my thing is, if I see something I really enjoy or experience something I enjoy, I then want to learn how to do it. And in this country, if you want to learn how to do something, it usually finishes with an exam. So generally I did, and then I get a qualification in it. Um, so, And I think all this has empowered me in the sense that you can do anything that you you put your mind to it. And because I've I've been fortunate enough, fortunate enough to grow up in an environment where um, I was actively encouraged to do things. It gave me power. Um, and I spe- actually, another thing which is really important, which I think, I know certainly particularly amongst Brits, I think a little less so uh, with the American audience, but um, a lot of people have trouble asking for help. Mm. And that can severely restrict your development and growth. And I've never, ever had a problem asking for help. I've never seen anything wrong in asking for help. Um, If I don't know something, the only way to find out is to ask someone else. Um, And I think that's, I'm not sure where that came from, whether that was a natural thing or whether, again, that was encouraged with my upbringing. But um, it's something that is incredibly empowering because when you ask for help, you improve. And you suddenly learn then how to do something and then you're able to do something. And then 
through doing that, you get an increased sense of self-esteem, um, of achievement, and then that will mean that you want to do more stuff. And, and the more you do that, the more power you gain. And, um, and sense of self, um, and it sort of breeds that whole sense of empowerment then. Mm. I think what you described there, you know, <coughs> being not afraid to ask for help, is a really important characteristic and you know when I, I look at leaders and organizations that are very successful you know what they're the good ones aren't saying is I know everything they're, mm. they're actually managing that help and bringing in that help at the right time yes uh, absolutely yes. something I learned as a teacher and I, I was a teacher for uh, well, about 14 years total but worked in further and higher education for 12 years um, and also I was a teaching mentor as well um, working with new um, those who are getting uh, qualified teacher status. And uh, the thing I learned very, very early on is that you can't kid kids. Okay, Kids will see right through you. And so I learned really early on, if I didn't know something, the best way to get them on your side was to tell them you don't know. So if you were asked a question and you didn't know the answer, you'd say, actually, do you know what? I don't know that. I then learned to use that to my advantage as a teacher because then you turn around and say, but I'll tell you what, why don't you go and find out and then next lesson you can tell me. <clears throat> and it's amazing how little teaching you end up having to do because you just <laughs> hand it over to them. And also then they get a sense of empowerment because they're teaching the teacher. And there's nothing more empowering than feeling you're teaching your teacher something. Um, and it's a skill that now I, I use with with business leaders and and. And make that clear. It's okay not to know everything. And actually, if you turn around to your team and say, I don't know what I'm doing here, or I don't know the answer to this, it allows them to help to come up with an answer. It increases their sense of feeling valued, um, that they're actually making a contribution, that they're helping, and all of that is empowering. Absolutely. And how do you how would you define empowerment so we're clear? Um Empowerment to me is, uh, well, the dictionary definition is about giving someone the power or the authority to do something. That's, that's how the dictionary, and actually that's right. Um, I think for me there's more about, um, often people need empowerment when they're feeling powerless. When they're in a situation that they feel stuck or overwhelmed by, it can be another person, it can be a uh, a situation, whether that's um, home life, work life, whatever. But I think whenever anybody gets into that position of feeling stuck, they just don't think they have any control over anything. They suddenly become powerless. And to me, it's about giving people who feel powerless the tools or information that they need in order to regain power or take control. Um, and um, certainly not. I'm not talking about becoming powerful in a dictatory way. It's this, this is about self empowerment. This is about knowing that you can do stuff. Um, so for me, it's about. I like to think of the work I do as taking people out of a powerless situation. Um, I'm reading a great book at the moment, um, which we, we mentioned just before the show. Um, I'm devouring it. In fact, uh, the hostage at the table. And it talks exactly about this. When people feel powerless, they become hostage to their situation. Um, and 
what empowerment does is it it helps people realize they don't have to be a victim mm. they don't have to be hostage to this there is always an answer you can't always escape the physical realities of it but you can certainly escape the the, the mental the psychological reality of it it's sometimes it's not about changing the situation in a in a physical way it's about changing how you perceive it yes and perception is massive perception is a huge winner if you can change your perception you can you can make anything better so so in some extent it's back getting more into cause rather than effect yes yes absolutely and actually i'm I'm, yeah it it, it's about as well i work a lot with creating compelling futures because again a lot of people feel powerless because they perhaps can't even envisage a future for themselves, um, let alone a compelling one, particularly if you get stuck in a pattern of behaviour that you suddenly, you, you, you cannot see a way out. And sometimes you're so involved with it, it does take someone else coming in and going, mm. well, why don't you do this? Yeah. Have you thought about this? What about this? And sometimes it's the smallest change, absolutely smallest change that can have the biggest impact. Yeah. Usually. Brilliant. Well, we're going to go to commercial break um, just right now um, but after the break we shall come back and look at some of the key areas that, that Rob addresses in, in his books so we'll be back with you again in just a couple of minutes when it comes to business you'll find the experts here Voice America Business Network Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to be more achieve more with host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to info at be more that's info at be more now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper i'm with rob holcroft we're talking about empowerment and if you want to um 
uh, find out more about the shows that are coming up and my take on the shows that we've had, etc. Uh, I really recommend um, subscribing to the newsletter at chriscooper.co.uk. But Rob, I wonder if you could start by this section by telling us about um, you know, this, this book and the series of books that you've created. And, and I know um, quite incredibly you were telling me that even uh, Henry Winkler, the Fonz, rang you up one day to say that he was a fan. Uh, so you know, just, just share with us um, a little bit about these very empowering series of books. And... Um, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, obviously, other than today, Chris, um, the Fonz ringing me was the coolest <laughs> thing that ever happened to me. Um, yes, he, uh, he, I sent him a book when he was playing Captain Hook, as he does every year. He comes over to England and he plays See. Captain Hook in Panto. Uh, so I knew where he was, so I sent him a copy of my book. And uh, as soon as the book arrived, he got on that phone and he called me. Fantastic. He rang my home. I had the Fonz ring my home. That was so <laughs> cool. Uh, and he loved the book. Um, so, yeah, that, that's wonderful for me. Uh, yeah, these books, um, I actually started, I wrote the first one, I Can't, uh, primarily based on the fact of I was getting a bit fed up of hearing at that time I was in my 30-somethings and uh, and it amazed me how many people of my age group said I can't now I can't is so restricting if if you're an I can't type of person your life is very limited um, and I suppose you're more on the powerless scale than the empowered scale um, and so I, uh, I came up with this idea that actually it stemmed from a, a friend of mine who I didn't realise, but she was an illustrator as well, she was a secret illustrator. And after a spontaneous New Year's Eve, she sent me a thank you uh, card and the characters that she'd drawn on this thank you card then inspired me, which I've been thinking about writing a book like this for, for a good couple of years. And, um, and I woke up in the middle of the night with this story in my head based on these characters that she put in this card. Uh, so the only thing I had at hand was an ibuprofen packet. So <laughs> I opened that up um, and I wrote the entire book on the smallest writing ever on this ibuprofen mm. packet. Um, and I reworked it for about three months and then uh, ended up publishing exactly what I wrote on the ibuprofen packet wow. um, because it worked. It was right. And... Basically, what it does, it's written in a very disarming manner because it's laid out like a kid's storybook. Um, so highly illustrated, very few words, um, but it works on a, on a subconscious level so that you're reading it, enjoying it, having a laugh, and then you get to the end and there's a bit of a, ah, that's clever. And then next time you go to say, I can't, you suddenly find that you stop because the book started working on you. Mm. Um, and basically, uh, it just works on four characters. There is a character called I Can't, and I Can't has a best friend called I Can. And as you can imagine, they have incredibly different lives, even though they're both very, very similar. Um, and I Can has a friend called Opportunity, and they go off and have loads of adventures. And I Can't stays at home with a friend called Fear. Now, interestingly, Fear is, uh, gosh, there's been so many books written on the subject, um, and I'm a great believer in fear is useful to us. Um, it's just when fear becomes overwhelming that it stops us doing things. And this is something that's sort of pointed out in the book is that I can has a friend fear as well. But fear is only small and never gets in his way. Whereas uh, I can't fear is quite big and uh, is the reason that I can't doesn't leave the house because fear's mm. always stood in the way. Yes. Um, so it's sort of the book takes you through just in a very fun way about how you can actually park fear to the side 
and and do things. And of course, the more things you do, the less the fear becomes and the happier you become. And I won't give the ending of the book away because well, I would ruin it and no one would have a reason to buy it then. <laughs> well, it's quite interesting. I, I'd not thought of that, about that. So actually, fear being helpful because I mm. guess without it, we probably wouldn't you know, raise our energy, raise our performance, no. No. Put, put more effort in. And I think we'd be dangerously reckless without yes. fear as well. Yes. Yes. Uh, fear is there to protect us. Um, but as you said, it's also an incredible motivator. Um, I know from my years of performing as well is that um, you'd always give your best performance if there, were, if there was a bit of fear mm. because it got the adrenaline pumping. And so it got you, it got all your senses working at a heightened state so that you were aware and you were going in and you were prepared. Um, I mean, even doing interviews like this, it's, I, I love it. I get that little bit of, I call it excitement, but it's fear. The, the sensations are exactly the same. It just depends on how you call it. Um, I, with work I do with, with groups, I work with them, um, I have the about four and a half years now I've been working with groups of anxiety sufferers and something I explain is that you know when when I was working as an actor if you're standing on stage about to go on stage you'd have some actors who would be throwing up in buckets mm. and some who then couldn't go on because of stage fright and yet the symptoms of their fear were exactly the same as excitement so it would be the you know stomach churning the temperature, the heart racing, the sweaty palms, they're exactly the same for excitement as they are fear. It's what in your head you decide it is. And I realise if, if, if you want to pay your bills, you've got to walk on stage. So you decide it's excitement instead of fear. And then you go on, you do your yes. thing, and of course you get the biggest kick ever. Yes. Because once the adrenaline's rushing, it, it's it's a buzz. Of yes. course it is. So it is. It's about using fear, um, and it ties in actually well at the moment. There's there's I know there was a TED talk done recently um, about um, stress, and of course there's been so much about avoiding stress. Um, my dissertation for my for my masters was on um, the impact that uh, posture and physicality has on. Um, stress and uh, and they're now finally saying we mustn't avoid stress in fact we have to have stress in our life and it's more about changing your perception of stress and I think it's the same with fear we need fear in our life it keeps us healthy and it keeps us safe and it's more about getting to understand fear and use it to your advantage rather mm. than becoming overwhelmed by mm. it it's quite quite interesting isn't it how you know some people fear I mean, kids, kids have quite sometimes quite irrational fears, but then other things which you think they ought to fear, they don't fear at all. Yeah. Uh, and and there's some there's some adults like that as well in terms of some of the things they do. And it's almost do we, you know, do we have to learn what to be fearful about? Yes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I last year I um I threw myself out of a plane, obviously with mm. a parachute. So yes. I didn't just throw myself out of the plane, yes. but I'd always wanted to do a skydive. Um, and I was travelling in New Zealand at the time, and so I I did it. I threw myself out of a plane. But someone suggested doing a bungee jump. I said, "Are you mad?" Yes. <laughs> yes. So and yet they're both exactly the same thing. It's just the one terrified me, and the other excited me. Yes. And and I just I made a conscious choice to do one and not the other. Yes, but that's fine. That's yes, that's all right. Well, I did a I did a parachute jump once, and I have to say that it's great to try 
you know, there's something, lots of things once. Absolutely. <laughs> I've got absolutely. no intention of ever doing it again. No, no. <laughs> but at least you know now. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we're both still here to tell the yes, tale. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, sort of, um, I think about this this thing of, of taking control as well. It's sort of, um, once I'd written that book, I then sort of got the bug and I, I, I got my, my friend uh, Julie Fisher, who illustrated all of my books, actually, because they're all in the same theme of things. So they each deal with a, a different issue. Mm. Um, and um, it, some, I think all of these books deal with this idea, and I suppose this is where the empowerment comes from, about the fact that you do have control over most things because it's perception. Um, the book that accompanies, what I've done is I've created double side uh, or double A side books. So you read halfway through and then you get to the end of that book, turn it over and you read the other three. And the one that accompanies I Can't is Choice. And Choice is about something I've believed in my entire life is that you choose to be happy um, and that you choose to be miserable. Um, a lot of people don't agree with that, particularly miserable people. They say, I don't choose to be this way, but I actively wake up every morning and I decide to be happy because it would be very easy to be unhappy, yes. really easy, yes. because my life isn't, isn't blessed. It's, your life is what you make it. Um, and, and I'm not saying it's easy to choose to be happy, but if you get up in the morning and decide you're going to have a good day, your day has far more chance of being a good day than it does if you wake up and think, oh, why bother? Yes, I believe, I believe it's a very uh, appropriate day to be talking about this today. <gasps> it certainly <laughs> is, because it's International Day of Happiness today. Wow. <laughs> and actually, the focus today, just to plug International Day of Happiness, uh, the focus today is uh, social interaction. Um, there's this, this huge movement at the moment of getting people off, off social media and actually get into real social situations, uh, which is obviously why I made the effort to come and be in your company today, so we could have social <laughs> Thank interaction. You. Brilliant. Um, and then I'm, uh, I'm off to have more social interaction after this. Um, in fact, with, with Roger and his family, <laughs> I'm popping up to Halifax to see Roger. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, and I think it's a really, really important thing. Is we are social creatures, and we're becoming more and more isolated. Um, and this is something again about um, when you are around other people, other people empower you. Um, being on your own, it's you have yourself to rely upon, and it's tough. It's difficult. I mean, all the studies at the moment are showing that. Um, Loneliness, certainly in the UK, loneliness is a bigger health risk than obesity mm. in the UK now. Um, people are isolated like they've never been before. We're losing our communities. Um, and, and again, I think a, a huge part of this comes from fear. The media often paints a very grim picture of the world we live in. And um, I've, I've been a huge campaigner for saying that um, the news doesn't report the news. The news reports the bad news. Um, it's not a balance of what goes on in the world. Um, and I'm part of a diversity panel for ITV Central News, uh, independent television news, um, and they've actually changed their news programming now so that it is an equal measure. And if there is a bad story, they make sure there is a positive element mm. at the end of that story to <clears throat> give people hope yes. um, and help. And the world isn't as scary as we're led to believe it is. But you have to get out there and experience to know that. Of course, horrible things happen. They always have done. They always will. 
but we're bombarded with these horrible things far more than we've ever been before because of media. It's quite interesting. I was, I was uh, reflecting the other day about about newspapers because in this country we have tabloid newspapers, which, um, you have to be honest, a lot of reporting is sensational. It's uh, it's um, sometimes intrusive, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, for me, I, if I have a look at one of those, you know, I'm through it in about you know a minute and a half. Um, but then the the what's deemed to be the serious press. Actually, if you read a lot of the content within that, it's, it's as you describe. It's it's talking about the you know the wars, the the famines, the terrorism. That by, by the time you the corporate corruption, by the time you finish reading it, you're depressed, mm-hmm. and that isn't a fair balance, is it? No. Of, uh, it's, of, it's of the not, world, it's not a true representation. I was listening to an interview with um, the war correspondent Martin Bell, yes, the war correspondent, and um, and he was asked. He said, "Well, what have you learned?" by um, being in all these war zones for your entire life. And he said, you might be surprised at this, but I've learned that the majority of people on this planet are kind. Yeah. And I just, I was thrilled to hear that because absolutely, it's my opinion. I've been fortunate enough to, to travel the world. I've met so many people through the work I do and, and just through just being a person who's interested in people. You all know this. If you're interested in people, you meet people. Mm. Um, and... of the time, people are more than happy to help and more than want to as well. The majority of the people on this planet are kind, but the media doesn't represent that generally. Yes. Um, So uh, hopefully more programmes like this will start to show that people are. People are lovely. You have to just get out there and meet people. Yes. One of the previous guests on on this show um, was talking about uh, Burkina Faso. He's done a lot of work in Burkina Faso. And uh, he he come across uh, a gentleman. He didn't have a lot of money, but had this most incredible coloured suit. And so he commented, said, "I you know I really like like your suit." And uh, about um, about two weeks later, uh, the suit there was a, a parcel arrived, and the man had, had moved somewhere else, but he'd sent him his suit. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. <laughs> I suppose it's that uh, what they call random acts of kindness. Yes. Isn't yes. It? yes. And that's happening more and more and more. That happened to me once, actually. Um, uh, and it uh, it went on for about a week before I found out actually who it was. Um, and it was it was so incredibly rewarding just to for no apparent reason other than someone wanting to do something nice. Yeah. And I'm hearing more and more of of people who are who um, are becoming. It's not victims of random acts of kindness, whatever the, the word would be, uh, recipients, recipients yeah. of actum, uh, random acts. I've noticed one of the, the, the banks at the moment is doing random acts of kindness as well, aren't they? Uh, paying for, yes, oh. paying for certain purchases. Yes. Although I'm with that bank, and as of yet, I've not I've had won. anything back. <laughs> so I'll, I'll wait. They will talk. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think this whole thing about being optimistic, choosing to be ha- happy, it's far more empowering. Um, we know, particularly as, as Brits, um, there is a natural, I don't know if it's a genetic tendency or our incredible variety of weather, but... Um, Generally, we've been known before as a nation of moaners. Um, I personally think that's changing. Yes. Because uh, I think people don't enjoy the company of moaners anymore. Yes. Um, but, um, but misery loves company. Um, but actually, people love optimists, as long as it's genuine, as long as you're not pretending to be happy. So um, it's about being authentic. It's about, yeah, obviously there are times that it's not going to be great. 
but you can always put a positive slant on everything. And I think actually that love of learning for me is what's helped with that because what, what has ever happened in my life, I've always been able to come away with thinking, so what have I learned from this? Yes. What, what can I do different next time? I think, I think uh, you know, we, we chatted over lunch, uh, you know, a thought that came to me, you talked to me about sometimes we need permission from others to behave in a certain way and of course if we you know you had a, a childhood where you had you know great conditioning because your parents supported you everything that you do you do yeah uh, but many people don't have that you know parents haven't been taught how to be parents and uh, they see their view of the world as being the world but actually through learning and reading and self-development and um you know getting getting um, engaged with, with people who do have the attitude of I can, mm. you realise that actually you can, you can as well. Yeah. If they can do it, you can do it. And it gives you the permission, doesn't it? Yeah, to... yeah it, it, it does. I, I think that's the – I absolutely agree with you. And, and you said that you, you found your permission to do what you do now by self-development, by, by reading. Yes reading and, and reading a book that suddenly said you can do that absolutely um and and I had that not only with with my parents but I had the most incredible um teacher at my first school who um he he was hugely inspirational I'm glad to say we're really good friends now um and but he always drummed into all of us that you can do and be whoever you want to be um and the only limits are your beliefs mm. and i love that henry ford quote that whether you believe you can or believe you can't you're either right. way you're right mm. and it's absolutely true absolutely true um so yeah i i think um that's something i know the writing um and particularly the book i can't it was the first one that i published um the others are, have only recently been published um but letters that i'd had phone calls that i had from people who suddenly were able to do things with their life um, because the book had given them permission. Mm. And it's a five-minute read, but that's all it takes yes. sometimes yes. just to say, you know, it's okay to do this. Yes. And then people are empowered. I think that's, I think that's uh, you know, why the books are helpful. I sat and read them with my son, and I think we were both getting, we were both getting something from it, you know, reminders. Uh, and you can, you can sit and read them in a very short period of time, can't you? As opposed yes. to, you know, wading through a very detailed book, a tome. A tome yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah. Because I think we've all we've all encountered that yes. those tomes. Um, yeah, I think this is. I, I look at what I've written as more as something that you can pick up whenever. Yeah. Whenever you just need that little boost, and um, yeah, reminder. It's, it's a pocket book. Yes. Um, and you know that, and I know from people who've who've spoken to me who've used the books, and they'll say, you know, if I'm doing a presentation, I'll suddenly just take three minutes in the loo, and I'll read your book to cut cover to cover. Yeah. It just gives me that boost. Yes. I go out, I do stuff. Yes. Um, so it's it's that's how I look at this, and I think in this day and age, people's reading habits they've changed. Yes. Um, and uh, people don't have the time they used to have for yeah. these tomes. Yes. Great. Well, I, um, we're going to go to another commercial break um, again in a moment. So after the break, we're going to look at um, how do we overcome giant obstacles and how do we deal with things like guilt. So. Uh, in another couple of minutes, we shall be back with you again with all of that. So do stay on and do join us. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. This week, my guest is outspoken former congressman and one of our country's most prominent gay public figures, Mr. Barney Frank. He'll be with us to talk about the Supreme Court's ruling on DOMA and how the Obama presidency is doing in its second term. Don't miss Barney Frank this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Rob Holcroft. And Rob, it's just come to me during the break. I'm, I just realized that what I'd said before the break about, um, about reading your book, to my son, and and I read the book because I thought that my son could benefit from some uh, some help around you know optimism and pessimism and dealing with worry and things like that. But I also realised at the same time that I was uh, being reminded. I know it's important to uh, to be reminded of things and not necessarily told uh, that has more impact. But I just wondered, are you being a bit cunning in terms of the way that you position these books? Me, cunning. <laughs> um, I think it's the power of children. Again, working as a teacher, you absolutely understand the power children have, particularly with parents. Um, and yeah, the joy of, although I wrote these originally for my age group, the 30-somethings then, um, the, the idea of pushing them more toward children um, and in fact, when I did my first uh, book signing with them, um, the it was really interesting. They automatically put me in the children's department, mm. even though at that point there was no there was no category for self help for kids. Of course, there is now, and it's becoming a massive market. Um, but yeah, they put me in the children's department, and it was so interesting because all the kids came in and sat around the table and read my book and then they'd go to put it back and the parents had been reading it over their shoulder <laughs> and we're going, oh no, we'll have that. Oh, we'll take that. So it is, it's that thing of if, 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 a ch- if a child has the book and the parents are reading to the kids, both are going to benefit from it. But actually I think the other thing it does is it starts to open up a dialogue 
um, about emotional issues um, that you can then address in, a, in again, quite a disarming way because um, it's not heavy. Um, and actually the books are about practical things and, and each one, there's four characters in every book and so again you can get endeared to the characters and, and talk about the characters and the journeys they go on. Mm. So yeah, I've been cunning, mm. yes, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> Getting uh, getting both, and I think that's uh, that's great because some people don't face up to the fact that they need you know could benefit from a bit of help. Yes, so it's, you know subliminally gets uh, yes, it's both moving. But I, I wonder uh, you talk to talk about in one of the books about overcoming the giant obstacle. Yes, uh, how do you overcome giant obstacles? The giant obstacle. Uh, it's it's actually probably one of my favourite uh, books. I love the characters in it because um, the the obstacle is a giant. Um, who rules the land and hates everybody in it and goes around making a big mess and getting in everybody's way. Um, and uh, the, uh, there's a princess who rules the land. She's called Hope, because it's always good to have hope. <laughs> um, and uh, the dashing knight of courage and his horse determination, and they go off to solve the uh, giant obstacle. And what the story does with that is it's about taking action. And it's sort of reflected in the other book, The Challenges, um, now, the challenges and the giant obstacle, they're both about dealing with um, things potentially out of your control or suddenly maybe just come out of nowhere and, and, and just knock you or shake you. Um, and in both of those, it's about there is always a way out and it comes from um, stopping, assessing, creating a plan and then acting on it. But there is always a way out. I think the other thing as well that certainly challenges does is it highlights that a bit like fear, some people love challenges. Some people thrive on challenges. So if some people thrive on challenges, then surely everyone can. Mm. Um, everyone can be terrified of challenges. But then if some people can be, um, in fact, it's a huge motivator for some people. And the giant obstacle, a lot of it is about, uh, particularly with this story, it's about maybe things aren't always what they seem. And uh, very often our own past experiences are what we use as reference to our problems. And so we'll automatically brand things under the umbrella of what we know. And sometimes it takes a different look at it, a different stance to notice that, oh, maybe it's not what you thought it was and therefore not as giant. Um, mm. Again, I don't want to give the ending of the story away. That, that, would, um, that would spoil it for people. But, yeah, it's about everything is possible. It's just maybe doing it a different way. I always love them. Was it Einstein's uh, phrase about insanity is doing the same thing over and over yes. again and expecting a different result. Yes. That's insane. Um, so it's about if you want something different, you've got to do things differently yeah. if you want a different outcome. And that's sort of where it works. And, and some, sometimes I think with that, um, I've certainly found if I've been stuck, you know, a few phone calls to the right people and somebody mm. either has a solution or, uh, or had a situation a couple of weeks ago where one phone call from somebody else uh, fixed it. Yeah. You know, and actually it was quite a potentially mm. difficult uh, matter. But I, you know, I we, it, And it goes back to what we were saying about ask for help. Mm. And both of those stories, they get help. So Hope gets the help of Courage. And, um, and uh, Will, who's the guy in the Challenges story, gets the help from a superhero called Action. Um, so it's, it is, it's about, sometimes you don't have all the answers. Yeah. Sometimes you don't have all the resources. 
to find someone who does. Yes. Yeah. So great. So is that why you have, I noticed you had, um, under your shirt, you've got a superhero shirt, I noticed. I, I do. It, it's a huge part of what I do. If someone had ever told me I could make a living getting people to stand like superheroes, I'd have laughed in their face. Ah. But it's a big part of what I do. Um, there's a, in fact, it's a night, night we'll, we'll go straight into that because uh, we'll hopefully be putting up on your site pictures of us power posing later. <laughs> um, Amy Cuddy, hey, so why not? Amy Cuddy, who did a, a TED Talk, she... Um, she published a paper back in October 2010, which sort of changed the work that I was doing at the time. Um, I'd already recognised there was a massive um, link between physical behaviours, posture and emotional and psychological mm. well-being. Um, and then she brought out this study that proved that the postures we hold directly affect the levels of cortisol and testosterone in the blood. So I'm only laughing because you just suddenly <laughs> sit up then. This is that thing. I used to be a posture specialist. That's how I used to call myself. And if ever we were in company and people said, so what do you do? So I'm a posture specialist. People shift uncomfortably yeah. in their chairs, just like you do. <laughs> squirming. Yes. But yeah, so basically standing like a superhero, this is what the research found. Standing like a superhero for just two minutes can reduce your cortisol levels, your stress hormone, by up to 40%. Wow. And it can increase your testosterone, your confidence self-esteem hormone, by up to 40%. So in just two minutes of standing like a superhero, you can feel 80% better than you did when you started. Mm. And so to me, it's a no-brainer. So mm. why don't you? Mm. Um, Obviously, it indulges my um, my guilty pleasure of superheroes. Anything superheroes. Always been a massive fan of superheroes from a kid, and now I get to do it professionally as well. Um, and so, um, again, it's a massive part of this empowerment. Sometimes people are so stuck with their psychological patterns um, or emotional behaviours that it's very difficult to to empower people that way. But you can always do it physically. Because you can, it doesn't matter what anyone's thinking or anyone's feeling, you can always get them to stand differently. And so I've, with my private practice, very often that's, that's something we'll do right at the start is we change the physicality. Yes. And then once you empower the physical body, it automatically affects then the other two areas of yeah. psychology and emotions. Yes. So, so if anybody's listening here and thinking, well, what, sort of, what, what do I do? How do I stand uh, in terms of your your superhero pose, um, what um, I, th I think I think the iconic two characters are Superman and Wonder Woman. Mm. They stand so legs apart, grounded on the floor. I always like the word grounded. I mean, yeah. it, it 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 gives you that sense of stability yes. on all levels. So feet grounded, slightly apart, um, fists or hands on hips. Yeah, elbows out to the side. And more importantly, and this is what you mentioned, I've got another book on the way. This is, this is all the stuff that I've been working on over the last four years. Um, but um, there's a really, really important element, which is about lifting the breastbone. Because you can stand like a superhero, but if you've got a dropped breastbone and so sunken chest, it's not going to have the same effect. If you lift that breastbone and effectively imagine you had a superhero emblem on your chest mm. and push that super superhero emblem out, it's so much more empowering. And actually alignment-wise for your spine as well, it engages the, the middle to lower part of your spine in a much better shape, which becomes very, very weak nowadays because the amount of hours we spend sitting, yes. which is so bad for us. Yes. So yes, so uh, that but we'll we'll take some photos and we'll bung them up on your website. <laughs> you can see. And actually, also, if you um, if you pop onto um, my 
Facebook page, uh, which is Rob Holcroft, or my Twitter, at the lovely Rob. Yeah. Um, I've got um, photos up there of, of family, friends, and clients who've all submitted power-posing photos. Oh, fantastic. So you can pop up there and, and send them in. Let me add them to them. Excellent. Well, we've only got um, about three minutes now okay. until, until um, I need to wrap up. And I just want to ask you... Uh, very quickly about guilt, and then let's um, let's hear any final messages that you have for us. Yeah, so- sure. Well, the, the the last two books I've got guilt and worry. Um, guilt is uh, is a fantastic emotion when used as prevention. Um, guilt is a great moral compass. If it feels wrong, it's probably wrong. So that's what I would use guilt for. A huge amount of energy is wasted on guilt post event. Yes. What's happened has happened. There's nothing you can do to change it. And feeling guilty about it is not going to make anybody's life better. Um, so guilt in my book is more about understanding this. Worry is about mindfulness. Depressed people live in the past. Anxious people live in the future. Those most at peace live in the present. Yes, in the now. In the now. Excellent. Mindfulness. Wonderful. Well, it's, been, it's been wonderful <laughs> living in the now with you this afternoon and getting the chance to... Uh, have a chat with you face to face, likewise, uh, rather than uh, than remotely, uh, Rob. Um, but I just wonder: is there is there any sort of final message or messages that you'd like to leave the audience you, with today? Do you know what I think? Something we've done today as well. Get outside. If you want to be empowered, get outside, move, do stuff. Because thinking about it doesn't change stuff. Doing does. Be active. Be proactive. Get outside. Move. Um, those things will empower you. It's about changing state. And those who've read any self-development books understand the importance of changing state. Yes. yes. So if you're stuck, change state, but do it on a physical level. Makes a lot of sense. I know you're going up to see Roger. I did a couple of weeks ago. Roger took me out walking in the, in the Yorkshire Dales. We had yes. a meeting walking, which was just so cool. Mm. We, we were talking about business and how we could collaborate and and we did it out in the fresh air, which, yeah. was, which was just brilliant. So I recommend that to anybody. I say a huge thank you to Rob. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, talking with Rob today. And, you know, he's given us um, uh, the permission to uh, to get out there and achieve great things. And I think his books are absolutely fascinating. I explained how, you know, they there's loads of examples of people who've been really inspired by them. I know Rob um, self-publishes at the moment and uh, would love to have a publisher um, so if there's anybody listening, um, these, these books are sort of catching on. So um, well worth having a chat with Rob. You can ca- get hold of Rob at robholcroft.com, um, his, his website. And uh, I'm sure he'd love you to, to connect with him on Twitter and Facebook. And if you've got any questions or feedback, do send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. And on next week's show, we have Adrian Simpson, who is a, a fascinating individual. He's part of a company that he set up called Same Wavelength. And he speaks to... Uh, in the board to the boardrooms and uh, senior executives in some of the biggest companies, most successful companies around the world, like LinkedIn and Ritz Carlton and Google and those sorts of organisations, and he's going to be sharing with us the ten behaviours of leaders from best-in-class organisations. Um, I know that's going to be a brilliantly interesting show. Um, I've also sat down and chatted with Adrian. So do come back and join us uh, next week once again, Rob. Thank you very much, and uh, I wish you all well. Thank you for listening to Be More, Achieve More. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, typically 4 p.m. London on the Voice America Business Channel. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your week.